Welcome to an all-new episode of Fast Friends Podcast. I'm your host, Logan Cummins, at Logan Cummins on Twitter. And on today's episode, I'll try to make friends with radio DJ, MTV VJ, TV host, and TV writer, Damian Fahey, faster than my fat fingers could speed dial 1-800-DIAL-MTV to vote for my favorite videos on TRL. I'm Logan Cummins. I'm a former pro wrestling creative, a mediocre stand-up comedian, and a ranch-dressing aficionado who lives beyond my means. This is my weekly podcast where I set out to make friends with each and every one of my guests. Sometimes it works. Other times, not so much. We should call that number. I did actually today. Is it in service? It's in service, but I don't know what it is. It basically is like, uh, we have like this very special offer, like answer a few questions to see if you qualify. Oh, it's like a, it's a, it's a scam. It's like a, Pro- yeah, yeah, yeah oh, sure. of course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. It's, it's, all 800 numbers just want to steal your money now. Yeah. Yeah. That's what they've turned into. <laughs> so I hung money. up, um, because it said, is anyone in your house over 50? And I was like, no, very close, but no. That's funny. And so I just hung up because I didn't want to get scammed. But yeah, I wanted to see like, what's at this number? Does MTV still own it? Like, yeah, you know, they don't use it, but yeah, that's interesting. Huh. <sighs> what happened to 800 numbers Uh, who knows who knows knows? how is your day going your week uh uh, good uh it's been a busy week um i'm a a writer for family guy so i'm in the middle of uh writing another episode i got assigned an episode last week and so i'm awesome I'm, i'm in the middle of that and i'm um in escrow on a house wow yeah so i've got like a bunch of things going on um big sort of large life things uh, that I'm trying to cope with, uh, you know, as best I can without, you know, having a psychotic break. Um, So, yeah, (laughs) so that's how it's going. But I don't know. I was talking to a friend um, earlier today and he was just saying, I think he's just like, I think everybody's stressed right now. We are out of the pandemic, but we're not. Not. And things are back to normal, kind of, but they're not. And no one's really talking about how the the psychological, like, leftovers of this whole time period and all that stuff. And so, I don't know. It's a weird, it's a very weird time. At least it feels that way for me. I don't know. No, it does. Okay. uh, I I echo that. It's And my therapist, Lori, shout out, she listens sometimes. She has said, like, she's busy. She's been busier the last like 18 to 20 months and like she has to keep turning clients away. Yeah. Like she can't take anyone else on. And it's like everyone is just at a breaking point. You know, my wife actually showed me this meme that said, I feel like everyone is one snack getting caught up in a vending machine away from a total breakdown. <laughs> that's and I think that's very accurate. That's a great meme. Yeah, that <laughs> yeah. is, um, that's just the excuse I need to like yeah. unleash the rage I have just barely, yeah. you know, uh, covered up. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would straight up assault a vending machine if it fucked with my cheese. It's oh, a hundred percent. Well, dude, thanks for doing this podcast. I'm very, I was so excited when you said you would do it. Um, Excited to give to you here. a quick overview sure. of how it'll work, we'll go through three rounds. It's somewhat structured. The first round is called fast forward round. So I'll just like go through and ask you some questions about things that I've researched about you or like yeah. found in past interviews, things like that. Cool. The second round is called five for five. Um, it is named after the Arby's deal of the nineties where you got five <laughs> classic roast beef sandwiches for $5. That's great. Um, so you'll get to ask me five questions. I'll ask you five questions. And we'll ping pong back and forth. And then the last is the Fast Friends Fortune Teller, where we'll use the uh, amazing paper fortune teller from elementary school mm. um, to pick an activity that we'll play. And then we'll end the 
request or the in the podcast with a friend request. Oh, okay, so cool. How it works. Awesome. Not a real friend request like on Facebook, but yeah, it's like metaphorical. I get it. Awesome. Sure. We'll jump right into round one if you don't have any questions or any anything you want to declare at let's the top. Let's do it. No, let's do it. <laughs> awesome. So my research tells me that you were born in Massachusetts, but I honestly can't figure out where in Massachusetts. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so. Um yeah, this I, I'm afraid to tell you because this is like my security question on a lot of oh, like uh, yeah. uh, bank websites. But um, yeah. no, it was uh, uh, Springfield, Massachusetts. I was born. Okay. And then I was taken from Springfield Hospital to live in, um, I believe, Holyoke in, a, in an apartment for a while with my parents. And then we moved to, to Chickabee, Massachusetts. And then we ended up in Longmeadow, Massachusetts, which I think is probably on most of my bios and yeah. stuff that I'm from Longmeadow. And we I, moved, we, I moved there when I was like 13. So that's yeah. sort of the, the biggest stretch of time that I lived. So that was, that was what was tripping me up because everywhere would say Longmeadow, but I had heard you previously say that you were, that moved there when you were 13. So yeah. I was like, we've got to nail down the first 13 years. I got to get to the bottom of this. Oh man. Yeah. You know sure. what people want to know. Sure. Um, so I've, I was born and raised in the Midwest. I think that New England sounds really fancy to me. Hmm. Like I've been there a couple of times, but like, I just imagine everybody in like Massachusetts eating lobster and shit all the time. Is that <laughs> like, what, what was it like there? Well, I grew, so I, so I went to school and worked on, on the radio in Boston. And so that was very much like the um, stereotypical Boston or, or Massachusetts experience, lobster and, you know, people saying car weird and Harvard <laughs> yard and all that shit. Um, but, uh, Western mass where I grew up was, um, I don't know if it had any really like distinct Massachusetts vibes to it. I actually okay. think it was probably similar to the Midwest because I've, I've met a lot of people from the Midwest and I think I have like a similar sensibility to people from the Midwest and from people from like the Pacific Northwest. I feel like there's sort of a, okay. there's sort of this um, culture of like, be nice, be friendly, be good. Don't be rude. Don't be mean. That kind of a thing. Um, and that existed in, in Western Massachusetts where, where I grew up. I have a question about Longmeadow. Did you ever work at Six Flags that was there? No, I never no. did. No, okay. I never, I was, no, I, uh, I worked on the radio. My, well, my first job was, was commercial. I took a commercial roofing job when I was um, 14, terrible. <laughs> 14 years old. It was horrible. It was in Infield, yeah. Connecticut, right across the state line. And it was um, a friend of mine from, from high school. His father owned a roofing company. And he said, do you want to make $20 an hour this summer? And that, you know, when yeah. you're, I mean, that's a lot now. Um, yeah. But but <laughs> when you're a kid, that's a ton of fucking money. And so yeah. so I said, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm down. What do I have to do? And it's just like, you have to just, you know, do some some roofing. And I'm like, well, I, I could figure that out, whatever. And so, um, extremely, extremely pale, you know, yeah. six, six to 150 pounds at the time, um, lanky and pale. And the, the, the first day I got through, like, I don't even think I got through the full first day of commercial roofing on top of the Lego corporation building in, in Connecticut. Mm -hmm. It was me, a high school kid, my friend, another you know, my high school friend and a bunch of like ex convicts, um, yeah. all tarring a roof. And, uh, they were telling these crazy stories about how they ended up in prison and stuff. And then they were telling this crazy story about how one guy said he was, he was once on a job and a guy, they were, they were tarring the roof. So they had a giant like truck full of like tar 
and that was like churning the tar and the guy somehow fell off the roof and fell into the like vat hot vat of like tar and he was in the hospital and and he was like in a full body cast and they brought him um cigarettes and beer to the hospital Mm -hmm. because those were his two favorite things and and i said now's about a good time to get off this roof and so uh i uh i used my giant nokia cell phone at the time and i called my parents and i'm like you have to pick me up and take me home. I have to get the hell right. out of here. <laughs> so that was my first job. So I, I didn't work at Six Flags, but I, I probably wished I did at that point. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, I'd rather clean up somebody's vomit from a roller coaster than, yes, than deal totally. with that. And that's hard, like you, because you can't, like you said, you can't even drive yourself at that point. You're kind of stuck. Stuck. Yeah, totally <sighs> stuck. And then I put no sunscreen on, and I was burned. Yeah. I had like second degree burns for like a week. Jesus. Yeah, it was brutal. So, okay. So that was like a one day thing. So yeah. So the, so the, at that point I was like, maybe the rest of my life, no jobs where I have to use my hands. Right. <laughs> and so yeah. then it was like, I'll just be on the radio. And then I was on MTV and now I'm, I just sit on a couch and pitch jokes at family guy. So that's kind yeah. of the, uh, the, the, the trajectory and, in, in what it, it, it was, it was based upon. It's worked out. It's worked out for you. It that's has. Great. It has. Thankfully. <laughs> Thankfully. I've been very lucky. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it takes talent also, but sure. Luck plays a part Um, with we had something similar where I grew up like um, it didn't pay $20 an hour, but it was I want to say it was like 15, though. And this was probably around the same time, like 94, 95. Yeah. Um, A lot of my friends did. It was like detasseling corn from cornfields. What is that? uh, So you it's you you do a bunch of shit. It's like manual work of like taking the corn from the stalks and like doing some shit to it so that it's. I never did it. I was like, no, I knew. Like, I didn't even need half a day. Oh, I was yeah. Like, no, I could no, tell no. by looking at yeah. you, you're not yeah. a corn detasseler. No, I yeah. am not a corn detasseler. No. no, no. And I also have. This fir- is what you should be skin. doing. Yeah. This it, is temperature controlled room, head, headphones, and a microphone. This yeah. is what we're yeah. built for. And a for. ring light. Yeah. Oh, and a ring light. Yes. Of and course. a ring light. Yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. This is what we're, <laughs> this is what pasty white guys are supposed to do. <laughs> absolutely. You know, yeah. absolutely. Like, I, I have sunscreen on right now. I do too. Inside, I wear, I wear yeah. it every single day. I'm not. Yeah, that's not too. even a joke. No, I do too. But you're in LA. I'm in Chicago, so that is true. I guess I could probably get rid of it for like half the year. But I do. I do wear it um, every time I go outside. Yeah, which yeah. is insane. It is insane. Um, with with um, my research, I also I think your parents both had pretty like artistic professions, from what I could tell. Yeah. Were you like an artistic kid? Yeah. Or, yeah. Like, were you an athletic kid? Like what no, were you like? No. 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 Um, <laughs> I was only an athletic kid when uh, well, I grew up with uh, my parents who were both art teachers. And so they went to, uh, school for art and then, and then taught art. And my mom was actually my art teacher in one of my schools, which is kind of weird, but, um, everything was, it was, it was, as they say now, and it's such an annoying phrase, but, um, a free range childhood where I could just kind of go in the backyard and like do whatever I wanted and, and go on my bike and just, you know, ride all over the place and just be gone for like full summer days and come home at like, you know, seven, eight o'clock at night. Um, so that was kind of, uh, my childhood. And and the thing that my parents always stressed was, um, yeah, just creativity. And they nurtured my creativity. I feel like, uh, supported it, which was, which was important. So I feel like I've always been creative and just never really, I, I, I attempted a couple sports. I attempted, um, gymnastics once, but I was, I was too tall for, um, uh, to do it. I was too tall and lanky and uncoordinated. And so, um, I remember my dad was actually telling this story at dinner a few months ago 
to friends out here in Los Angeles and they're like, Oh, Damien did gymnastics. And, and everyone's like, what? And, and like, Oh yeah, he, uh, he really wanted to do it. He watched the Olympics. And then like, he just was like, dad, I got to do a, Olymp- I got to do gymnastics. I got to do gymnastics. Take me to this place. And it was, it was the Tim Daggett who was this Olympian. Tim Daggett like had a school in Massachusetts. And so I, begged my parents to take me to Tim Daggett's school and they took me and they spent a bunch of money on like gymnastics is expensive. You got to buy like all yeah, the, yeah. Out, the outfit and all that in like fucking chalk and all that shit. And so, um, so he dropped me off and I remember I, I did it for like a, maybe it seemed like a, a long time, but it was probably back then just like a week. And the the first few classes, it was kind of learning very slowly how to use your body and just kind of goofing around and stuff. And then at a certain point, it got like serious and kids like started learning how to do things. And I was very, very behind on like learning how to like flip and shit like that. Mm -hmm. And so I just remember my dad was like, yeah, you, you, uh, the teacher would you they'd make you do things and then you wouldn't want to do them and then they would just say okay Damien just go go play on like the trampolines in the back of the room and so I would just be on like a trampoline like jumping into like a pit of foam and that was like that was it that's what and then once I got sick of that I was like you know what this isn't for me and so that was sort (laughs) of like my gymnastics career so that's sort of an example of like my athletic ability, I feel like. And then later in life I did, I I desperately wanted to be in with the cool kids and I was on the basketball team and I actually was pretty, you know, good at basketball, decent at basketball. And my dream was, I got really into it. My dream was sort of to be uh, a professional basketball player. And so I had my parents sign me up for UMass basketball camp. And on day one, I had like $150 Charles Barkley shoes and like the NBA socks and like the, you know, the, um, the replica Jersey and all this stuff. And I, other kids are in t-shirts and shorts and like shitty shoes and stuff. And I'm coming in just like gleaming, like on like I'm Danny Ainge or something like that. Um, and so I walk in and there's a pickup game and it's kind of like the coaches watch you to see your skill level. And within the first five minutes, I got dunked on by this kid who was like the same age as me, but, like 60 pounds heavier, way more muscle. And I just was like, you know what? Like (laughs) I was humiliated in front of everyone. And I was just like, okay, this isn't for me either. So it was, it was sort of like, uh, you know, sports for me was, uh, my, my sports dreams were, were, were crushed pretty early. And I thought to myself, okay, I'm not good at that. Um, I need to probably figure out what I'm good at. And, uh, and luckily I I found radio and and threw myself into that and became, uh, good at, at, at radio at a young age. Yeah. You started it like working in the radio really young. I think like, I I think I read like 15. How does that even happen? Like I'm thinking back to Mm. like first is 15. Correct. Is that accurate? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 15 is correct. Yes. (laughs) So Um, I worked at Dairy Queen, for example, at 15, right? Like, you know, so it was uh, a little different, Mm. um, (laughs) a little different. I actually got locked in the freezer by my coworkers, which Holy again, climate controlled. So I was fine with it for a little bit. Okay. Right, right, right. (laughs) Jesus. Um, but, you know, like going into radio, like and being on the air at that age is like very ambitious. So like, wh- how did that come about? Um, I it's very weird. Um, and I've noticed this throughout my life where I just get it. I always describe it as sort of like being struck by lightning and you don't know when it's going to happen. You don't know where you're going to be. You don't know what it's going to be. But um, I tend to get hit by these 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 bolts of lightning that are you 
now love this thing and you're going to mm-hmm. do this thing and like be obsessed with this thing for, 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 you know, and get super deep into it. Um, and then see where it, where it takes you. And that was sort of what happened, um, with radio. Um, I was watching, uh, I was watching television. There was a simulcast of a, of a radio show on television and, you know, I was flipping around on, on, on the channels and, uh, and, and I just saw the microphone, the lights blinking, the equipment, the headphones, the guy just kind of talking into a microphone. And, and I don't know what it was. I mean, even when I describe it right now, there's, I don't really understand like the appeal of, of what I, of what I saw. I just knew that I had this uncontrollable desire to say to myself, I need to do that. That's, I need to get, I need to get to a radio station. So I just I, I just assumed the first step would be to empty my savings account and have uh, my mom drive me to Radio Shack and buy four hundred dollars worth of yeah four hundred dollars worth of like radio equipment. I bought a board, I bought a microphone, tape deck, CD player, all that stuff, and I and I built a radio studio in my bedroom and I'd have my friends over and we'd do morning shows and prank call Burger King and all that stuff and and I I type up the weather and like you know sports reports and stuff and then my friends would read it and you know we had this whole thing and then I I got bored of that. And and I said, I really, I want to do real radio. What am I doing? Like, I feel like, you know, I've, I've practiced enough talking over songs and, and being a DJ. And so I opened up the, um, this was 1994 at the time. So I opened up the Yellow Pages and I just started cold calling local radio stations and asking for um tours of the station. And, uh, I called three stations and I set up tours. I toured the first station. My plan was to tour the station at the end of the tour, ask for a job. And so I toured the first station, asked for a job. They said, no, you got to be in college. If you want to be an intern and you know, to get cut, you need to be getting credits. And also you're 14 years old. And, uh, and then I toured the second station, same story. And then I toured, uh, the station WMAS in, in Springfield, Massachusetts. And, gave me a tour and I said, Hey, uh, you know, I'd love to be an intern here. I'd love to work here. And, and I just remember the promotions lady was like, she kind of stopped and she's like, I think she saw, she felt my passion for and how like, you know, um, how just like enamored by the station I was. And she said, you know what, what are you doing on uh, and this was during the summer. So I wasn't in school. She said, what are you doing on Monday? You want to come in and watch like the midday disc jockey, like run his show. And I was like, oh, my God. And it was it was like, you know, I, I couldn't wait until Monday. And so I went in to the station and I did that for a while. I would just sit in with DJs, um, you know, get them coffee or or get them like their show prep, you know, that they'd print out and, and just kind of run errands for them around the station. And then on Thursday nights, I'd have my dad drive me to the station and I'd work in the off air studio um, and I would I, I said, I'm going to take six months every Thursday night. I'm going to come in here for like five hours in, 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 I'm going to, uh, over the course of six months, I'm going to accumulate a really good demo tape that I can slide under the program director's door, um, in six months. And, um, and hopefully, you know, and ask for a job on, on the air. And so, um, so I did that and I go in every Thursday and I just loved it. I didn't want to leave. Um, I wanted to like sleep there. I just had this crazy burning passion about it. And, um, and so I finally, uh, I slipped the, 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 the cassette under my boss's door. And I just remember he called me one, one, uh, one day during the week of the summer. And he was like, um, uh, uh, this guy, Paul Alexander would do 12 AM to 6 AM on Saturday night going into Sunday morning. And he said, he's sick. Do you want to do the overnight shift on Saturday? And I was like, yes, absolutely. So I, I, 
my dad was into it. My dad said, we cannot tell your mother about this. She will not l- allow you to be like the only guy in a sketchy <laughs> part of West Springfield, Massachusetts, um, you know, by yourself uh, for the overnight. So we're going to have to like coordinate this. And so uh, my dad and I snuck out of the house. He drove me to the station just before midnight and, and I worked my first shift and, uh, and then he picked me up at 6am and I, I didn't, you know, I was working from midnight to six and I could barely sleep. Like when I got home, I was just so full of adrenaline. And uh, so this is, anyway, that's the story, maybe a little bit longer than, than you wish, but, um, that's the story of how I, how I sort of got on the on-ramp to, to, to the whole thing. What, um, I'm very curious to know, what did you use for your first on-air DJ name? I just use my, uh, Damien Fahey. Well, I, well, and I would just say Damien too. I wouldn't, I would, I would mostly just say Damien. Um, and, uh, but other guys had weird names. Yeah. There was like Casey Palmer and his name was like, you know, it was like some Polish guy, you know, Paul Sablitsky or something, you know? So it was, it was, Mm -hmm. there were definitely fake names, a lot of fake DJ names. Um, but I remember the program director, I think I asked him that and he said, I like Damien. Damien's got a good ring to it. Just go by Damien. And so I said, yeah. okay. He goes, it's memorable, you know, just yeah. do it. And probably not super common, right? Like, yeah, no, time. not at all. Yeah. Not at all. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. So, okay. So you got started in radio, obviously that was pretty young in high school. Um, moved to Boston for college. Yeah. Were you doing radio at this at like simultaneously while you were studying or did you yeah. go through school and then, okay. Yeah. So, so my plan, I didn't want to go to college. Um, I had the yeah, conversation same. with my parents. Oh, you did too. Yeah. I just had the conversation. Where I was like, I don't, I don't want why am I going to school? I'm already doing what I want to do. And then I'll get a full-time job at WMAS in West Springfield and that'll be the rest of my life. Right. My parents are like, you have to apply to college, you know, <laughs> like DJs make what, like 40 grand a year or something. I'm like, that's a ton of money. And they're yeah. like, no, you're 15. <laughs> that's not a lot of money. Um, and so, um, so, uh, so yeah. So, so when I was, I'm like, okay, well I'll, I'll apply. And, my, and I applied to, to seven schools, got rejected from six of them. I wasn't really a, a good student. I mean, I was like a C student because um, I didn't care. I just wanted to be on the radio. I was obsessed. It was the only thing I cared about. Um, but I was really good in like English and in, 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 uh, in history and in, in those kind of uh, classes. Um, so I was smart enough to kind of do really well in those. And then in math and uh, science, not so good. Um, and so I ended up being sort of the C student, straight C, uh, C, you know, C average student. And so... Um, so yeah, so, so, so I got accepted to, uh, the, the last school I, I got a letter from Northeastern, which was the, the, the last letter and I opened it and I just assumed this is, you know, six rejections. This is going to be the seventh rejection. And I said, well, who cares? I'll just work at the radio station all the time. And, uh, I don't want to go to school. And sure enough, I got into Northeastern university into like their special program, which was like, you know, um, your grades are shit. And you seem really stupid, but you kind of got cool shit going on on the side and you seem like you're kind of passionate and like, I don't know. Well, come on in, get in here. Okay. And so we'll give you a chance. And so, um, and so they let me into Northeastern and the second I found out I was going to, to school in Boston, I picked up a, a, a radio trade magazine and I flipped to the help wanted the, 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 the job ads. And there was this station, giant top 40 station, uh, kiss one away. And it was like this legendary station. Um, and they were looking for an overnight DJ. And so I sent my uh, a demo CD of all my best breaks to Boston. 
uh, to the radio station and I got a call from the program director and, uh, and he, he called my house and he, it's this guy, John Ivy, who, uh, who, who actually programs kiss FM out here in, in Los Angeles. He's this big, you know, big radio programmer. And, uh, he always tells the story of how he called, um, the, my house, he heard my CD and then he called my house and he thought it was just, he was calling just like a 30 year old guy because I had like this, you know, I'd like this, this voice, but I was like 15. And so, um, he calls and is like, hello. And it's my mom. And he's like, um, <laughs> hi, um, I'm looking for Damien. And she goes, and she, she goes, uh, oh, hang on a second. And like, he's like, I could hear a screen door. Cr-. He's from like Arkansas. So he's like, I could hear a screen door like open, you know, like crack. And then she was like, and she's like, Damien, you got someone on the telephone. And my mom is, but that was his, that's his voice. You know, um, he doesn't do impressions of people cause he can't, cause he has that really thick accent. And so, uh, he goes and, th- and and then, you know, he's like, I couldn't believe you were 15 years old and I, you know, you have such a great voice and your demo tape is great. We already selected somebody for the full-time position, but I heard your tape and I just think you're really, you're really good. I'd love to have you come to the station, give you a tour and, and, you know, see, see what we can, we can offer you. And so my parents drove me to, uh, kiss 108 in Boston. And, uh, and I, I took a tour and I, he saw how passionate I was and I was just like, I have to work here. This is so fucking cool. And it was such, you know, Springfield's market 80 Boston's market eight. So there's a huge difference in like how much money they spend on the, on the lobby, how much money. So it's just, it was just plush, like uh, radio palace, you know, like Mecca of like, you know, radio achievement. And like the, the gear was better and the lights were like cooler. It just, it was awesome. And so, um, and so that's how I, that's how I started, uh, doing radio in, in Boston. Okay. And did it all through school. Yeah. And I did it all through school. Okay. Yeah. I, well, I didn't finish college cause MTV right. happened, but I did it for two, I did it for two and a half years. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I would take the, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um, I, obviously we have to talk about MTV a little bit. You, um, you almost didn't go to the casting call, right? Like it was, even though it was in the same yes. building as your station, what was it that ultimately yeah. like convinced yeah. you to go? Um, my tendency to people, please. Okay. <laughs> like my, my burning desire to not tell anyone. No. Um, the, um, the promotions, a uh, woman who was who, who ran the promotions department at the station. I found out about this casting call from her because she was friends with uh, uh, this this woman who knew the casting director of MTV, okay. and um, she said uh, MTV's been all around the country. They're they're been, they've been looking for a, a rock VJ. I was told a rock VJ, and uh, they they're not happy with. They've been to other radio stations like in California. So they just, they haven't found anyone that they really like. And so they're going to be coming here in a couple of weeks. And, you know, she's just like, you know, I haven't told the other guys, but I just think like, you're the guy for this. Like you're, 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 you're got cool. Like I had like super spiky nineties boy oh, band hair uh, at the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you've seen oh, all yeah. the photos. I lived it, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was there with you. <laughs> oh man. Oh, I love it. My God. Delete those fucking photos <laughs> off the internet, please. Um, so, so I said, uh, I said, you know what? I'm, I'm fresh off the heels of a local television audition that went horrible and was totally humiliating. And I said, I don't want to do television. I just want to be on the radio, but thank you. And she said, just 
come on, just do it. I think you'd really be good at this. And I'm like, I really don't want it. She's like, come on. I'm like, all right, I'll do it. Fine. It's like, just shut up about it. I'll, I'll audition for MTV. Fine. And, um, I think I was 21 at the time. And so, um, so anyway, so I heard about the casting, uh, uh the way it was going to work. And it was, uh, the format was I had to write two video intros, perform them in front of the camera, okay. and then they were going to give me an artist at random, and I'd have to improvise the um, the uh, the intro, you know, the VJ intro to to a to a video music video, and um, and so I remember that day I was in class, uh, I had a class that morning at like nine a.m. and I sat in the very very back row of the um, classroom at Northeastern. And I just remember writing, I heard they wanted to rock VJ. So I said, you know what, guess what, Damien, you know, your favorite bands now are Creed and POD. Here we go. And so I wrote video intros for Creed and like POD talking about how awesome they are and badass they are. And, uh, and then, uh, and then I drove to the radio station. I skipped my other classes that day and, and I auditioned and begrudgingly, you know, went down there and auditioned. And kind of didn't even give a shit. Like, kind of was just like, whatever, I'll do this, fine. Um, and I just, the second I started, I was like, I was getting laughs from the casting director um, who, was, who, was, who was shooting it in the basement. And, uh, and I was like, it felt so good to get those laughs. And, and I just started like flowing and like letting and like improvising and being like, you know, and I just kind of, I, I just knew I nailed it. I just knew I did a really good job. And so after that, I was just, I, that was another lightning bolt that fell out of the sky and hit me. And I was like, I must be on television. <laughs> um, so that was it. And then, and then I got a call, uh, you know, for, for a callback a, a month later and then, uh, another callback and then another callback. And then finally I got the news that I'd be hired as a summer VJ, you know, audition kind of period, uh, trial period over the summer. Um, and then got full time in, in the fall yeah. and, and they were like, Oh, by the way, you're hosting TRL. Yeah. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. I was just, I thought I was going to host headbangers ball or something. <laughs> um, so ridiculous. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, it's, it's so funny. Like the things like that that end up working, right. People say like everything happens for a reason. So, um, oh, you know, it's a great man. example of that. And it's awesome that you had no idea what you were actually even trying out for. I had no idea. Yeah. I had no idea. In fact, I thought it was something else. I thought it was like, you know, room Raiders, a rock, a rock VJ, <laughs> a room Raiders. Holy shit. Uh, oh my God. I had an irrational fear for somebody that lived in the middle of Indiana that I was going to be on room Raiders. I didn't like realize it was like a work, you know, like that. It was like, Oh, right. right. Gotcha. I'll work. Yeah. Yes, when I was like yeah, 14, yeah, I was good. like, shit, if they come knocking on my head, they, they me, could show yeah. up at any time. <laughs> I don't want them browsing my computer. And, what, what, <laughs> and then, yeah, right. And then like, uh, that's hilarious. Like you, you just lived in fear of, of MTV's room Raiders yeah. showing up and using a black light on your shit. Yeah, absolutely. I have a lot of irrational That was the fears. one where they, <laughs> oh, welcome to my world. My whole world is irrational fears. I'm sorry. You said they, that was the one what? It was the black light one. That, that was the black light. Okay, that became yeah. That was like a big thing. Yeah. They were like the black light was like that was like oh you yeah, know, it was disgusting. It was a huge. It was disgusting. <laughs> it was so disgusting. Like they were showing like semen yeah. stains on like yeah. television. Yeah, like yeah. But you couldn't say like oh god or like right. Jesus or you know it was like right. where are the lines here? It was like maybe the second most savage. I've, the the first most savage was for sure. Next that show was amazing was what, what was that like speed dating kind of but it was like the people would like come off of the bus 
and then they would like try to there. So there were like people competing for, um, right. for like the one person. So it'd be like, well, I mean, at that time too, it was, I mean, to MTV's credit, they had like males competing for male, male dates, but, and you know, but, um, yeah. But yeah, you were like competing, but like sometimes the the person would step off the bus and the person that was like the person they were going after would just be like next and like send yeah, them back on. Right. Yeah. But they, they always yeah. had those Ooh, like really brutal. funny graphics, like when they were introducing. So it'd be like Chad once vomited in a box and like mailed it. You know, it's like <laughs> it was like weird stuff like that. I do remember that. Yeah. That's hilarious. That show was yeah. great. I, I wish we could bring totally. that back now. That's a great show. Oh, yeah. It's it's fucking mean. It's so mean. Yeah. Um because I mean well that's what people do now with like Tinder. Sure. I you know that that's what Tinder is yeah. now, but it's just on your phone. Right. And you don't have to face anyone. Right. Um it's like a coward's it's a coward's yeah. next basically Tinder. <laughs> Absolutely. Um it's really funny. <laughs> um Wild. so TRL obviously was a household name like j- just huge at the time, right? Like I yes, think, huge. I mean, you know, it was like obviously celebrating pop culture but at the same time creating pop culture <laughs> which yeah that was the weird that was yeah that was the weird thing about yeah. it so so yeah. you went from and not that cuz there's definitely some level of of like notoriety with being in a market the size of Boston on the radio right like people locally know oh, you but like yeah. immediately you're like a household name right like oh it was such a different deal it was such a different deal i i used to think that like I used to do this thing called club kiss where I I'd, I'd go to a oh, nightclub yeah. and broadcast from my nightclub and, um, and I'd have the microphone and stuff and, and, you know, girls would come up to me, you know, Oh my God, you're on the radio. I'd be like, I'm so famous right. and cool. <laughs> and, um, and then I got to MTV and it was like, Holy shit. You know, like my, my, my first day on the job. I mean, who, what, there are very few jobs where your first day on the job, people are chanting your name, you know, like wearing bikinis on the beach and like <laughs> chanting and cheering for you as you like walk out onto like your, you know, you're in your office. Right. Speak you know? for yourself, Damien. That's my job every day. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. All right. I'm a corn detasseler. Uh, <laughs> That's right. No, no, ah, that's amazing. Yes. That's amazing. It's and um, this. So we were talking about the spiky hair. I have to show you this picture because this is actually, I think, I took one of your pictures to the hair salon to try to get my hair. Oh cut shit! Like this. Yes. Yeah. Oh, dude. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh my god. Yep. That picture. Uh, I can't post it because <sighs> I'm not going to license it. So people, that, you just search for it if, I, if you want. I, you know, it's funny. That party, I ended up hanging out with a. Uh, a beauty pageant winner and we like started dating and I looked like that. That's, that was, I mean, she's like literally like she saw like that guy with that hair in that outfit and was like, yes, I am attracted to this, to this person. That, <laughs> like, that was so like oh, in man. though at the time, like that's what ever, that's yeah, what everybody wanted to look like at the time. That's true. Uh, it's true. Um, I also read that when you were hosting TRL, there was a time mm-hmm. that you and Vanessa Carlton did flirting on aim after you met oh, her, yeah. Um, yeah. First of all, that's awesome. But second, what was your since since AIM is decommissioned? Will you disclose your screen name, or do you remember? Oh, it? <laughs> oh God, I don't. I think it was just my name, actually. Oh, okay. I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think. Oh, you know what? I think I had. Um, I think I had a weird one too. I think I, I don't. Oh God, I don't remember. Yeah. I remember. I'm, I can't tell if it's my. Is it? Was it the same as your AOL name? Yeah. yeah. Oh, it was. Okay. Yeah. So I had this weird name for like a while and that was Bogart DOA. And that was, I have no idea what that means. Um, <laughs> but that was mine. And then, and then I changed it to, yeah, just to my okay. name. And so it was like, Damien Fahey is on, you know, is now on yeah. AIM. That's you know? amazing. The little door open. <laughs> oh yeah. Effect. Yeah. 
RIP. I would trade all yeah. the social networks now to have AIM back, quite honestly. <sighs> Absolutely. So Shut them yep, down. Yep. Yep. I could spend hours crafting an away message. Oh, yeah. It was so good. Are you kidding so me? Good. If as Hey, as long as there's Counting Crow lyrics. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There's going to be a 90s Damien <laughs> aim away That's message amazing. ready to go. Oh, my God. This yeah. is so nostalgic. Um, it's so nostalgic. <laughs> yeah, v- Vanessa Carlton. So that was actually the f- day one. Um, wow. That happened at the beach okay. house when I was introduced. Yeah. Um, I just remember finishing, you know, Carson interview- interviewed me and, and TRL ended. He was hosting it and he introduced me and brought me out and I did an interview. And then uh, Vanessa Carlton was, they had me interview her. And, um, the, the floor producer, which is a person who, um, is, 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 is controlling like the studio floor at, during a live television show. So putting people on, you know, places and where they're supposed to be and knowing where the cameras are going. So this big, important job anyway. So they, they came to me after the show and they're like, Oh, um, Hey, Vanessa Carlton wants your aim screen name. Um, she wants to, she likes you and she wants to talk to you. Wow. And she was dating, like, I think she was dating the, uh, Stephen Jenkins from Third Eye Blind. Oh, At yeah. least I thought she was. And so she was, like, flirting with me on AIM. And, and that was kind of it. I think it I think it only lasted, like, a couple AIM sessions. Yeah. Apparently I wasn't, like, you know, <laughs> really, I wasn't wowing her on America <laughs> Online. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's so, it's yeah. so crazy. That's that's awesome that she asked for your AIM name. Kids now, yeah, kids now th- will never know. <laughs> they'll never know. And I just remember that floor producer being, like, get ready. Yeah. Here we day one, day one. Get ready. This is your new life. I can't, I mean, that's that's insane. Um, I know that you talk a lot about like hanging out and like befriending a lot of the writers from the show, um, and and then like actually doing writing yourself. I think there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that you guys like would plan out things, right? Like the different segments that would involve celebrities, um, and like different things yeah. that we're gonna do, like stuff like that. Um, obviously it was, there was some like ad libbing and things like that, but. Was there anything that you guys ever like tried to pitch to a celebrity that they flat out rejected? Oh God, yes, absolutely. I'm trying. I, 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 I. Man, it's so weird when I think about that time period. Um, I always make the comparison. If, if, if someone's met Madonna, if someone who who works, you know, just uh, I don't want to sound, you know, like a dick, but it's like if someone has a normal job and they meet Madonna, that's the greatest story. Yeah. They remember the room. They remember the smell. They remember what they said. They remember what Madonna said. My whole twenties was um, was meeting Madonna every single day, right. you know. But it was like Diddy, Justin Timberlake, Lindsay Lohan, and then Beyonce's late from JFK. Will she make it by four thirty when the show's right. over? And that was a Tuesday. And so, so much of that time period, um, I think, because I was so nervous and, and just so overwhelmed. Um, I think large chunks have just sort of <laughs> floated into the ether and just, uh, you know, are only retrieved by other people who were like, Hey, remember that time that like you blah, blah, blah. So, um, I wish I could, I wish I could remember, but I, I, I don't, I remember one, one bit that we did, which I was proud of, which was called, we had Ludacris on the show and, um, he was promoting his new album and we did this uh, bit called Luda crystal balls and it was ludicrous rubbing two balls, like two crystal balls on uh, it was a very, you know, juvenile fact, yeah. kind of a, you know, funny thing, but he'd rub the balls and uh, he's like, all right, kids, you want me to rub my balls? And they're all <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. 
that? He's like, I'm going to rub my balls. Here we go. And then he'd like, he'd be like, I predict number one on the countdown is, ladies and gentlemen, my balls have spoken, you know? And it's like, and then it's, and then I think about that stuff, you know, and I'm like, of course I'm writing for family. Yeah. Guy. That's like the natural segue natural, into, yeah. you know, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Um, I know one of the, uh, one of I have two other MTV questions. Um, the sure, first sure. one is it's not a question as much as a statement. Um, I know that yeah. you were like part of a sort of ensemble of hosts too, as Carson like moved out, right? Like, yeah. you know, it was yeah, like totally. Um, and Vanessa Manila was one of one of those hosts who people now mm-hmm. will know as Vanessa Lachey. Um, this is just a statement. Right. Nick Lachey is my most coveted guest for this podcast. Really? Yes. A hundred percent. I grew up outside of Cincinnati. Wow. Um, so I am a 98 degrees fan for sure. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Uh huh. Um, so that's it. You know, in case she happens to listen since she sees your name here. Um, yeah, you know. I'm going to, I'm going to tag her yeah, she, uh, please when, do. I re- when I post this on <laughs> Instagram and I'm going to, uh, I'm going to say, let's get Nick on I, this thing. I'm working a separate angle to go after Leah Drew's wife. Cause she is like very involved in the Cincinnati scene. So I'm trying to make my own inroads that way, but you know, any help that's I can awesome. get, um, Nick Lachey is definitely my number one. When people are like, yeah. why did you start a podcast? I'm like, literally, so I can meet Nick Lachey. That's, <laughs> that's amazing. That's um, I feel like that's probably, you're the only person who started a podcast to meet, to, to meet Nick Lachey. Yeah, probably. <laughs> probably. Yeah. 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 Um, so my question though, my last question on the MTV, um, stand is, is there anything that you mm-hmm. ended up keeping from like the studios, uh, or like wardrobe or anything like that that you still have? And, and it's like very yeah. valued to you. Uh, yeah. Can I get them? I'm oh, just sure. Them yeah. Real quick. Yeah. I'll show them to you. They're right next to me. Okay. Hang on one second. Are they ludicrous balls? <laughs> All right. So I got this. Boom. Oh, yeah. Yeah. M- yeah. MTV Mike flag. Yeah. That's pretty cool. That's very cool. That's very cool. I got this one, which is the MTV spring break. Oh, three Mike flag. Oh, yeah. I've got, uh, two TRL, uh, logos signs from, uh, the last show. They were just throwing the set into a giant pile and I went through it and I grabbed, um, I grabbed uh, a couple signs. Uh, I have a microphone from the studio. I have, um, uh, God, I have a lot of old, like some old clothes, bad, bad, bad old (laughs) jeans that I saved. That's just like, I just look at them sometimes and I'm like, holy shit, what were y'all doing? They'll come back. Um, but Oh, they'll come back. Yeah. yeah. Probably soon. Actually. Um, I think so. I think like whatever Justin Bieber's wearing, it feels like the next iteration Mm -hmm. of that is, uh, is, 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 are those jeans? Yeah. <laughs> Dear God. Awesome. Oh my God. Well, yeah. I mean, thank you for so many, um, amazing memories. One of, I know this was before your time on TRL, but one of my favorite memories from TRL ever was when, um, and this was before social media and all that, there was the mm. email chain that prompted everyone to vote for new kids on the block, hanging tough as the number one video. Um, and it made it all the way to number one. It was in 99. Um, oh, oh, interesting. I didn't know about that. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I forgot, I forgot about email chains. Yeah. yeah. Oh, email chains were the best. Um, so yeah. yeah, that's one of my, like, that's one of my, like very, I'm an old person stories like that kids again would be like, I have no idea what the hell you're talking about. Oh, I don't care about kids. Yeah. Now. Who cares? I don't either. I yeah. don't either. No, 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 no. I'm 41 and I'm same and I'm f- proud of it yeah. baby I'm, I'm thriving this is honestly no, I'm, fin- I'm flaunting it <laughs> i uh, i go to bed at 8 30 on fridays it's like the best life honestly um honestly i've never been happier yeah. at, at this age so yeah it's, 
it's working out, I think. Um, so, you know, it's yeah. working out. Um, I want to talk very briefly about I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So this was a show um, that it was like based off of a British show first. Right. Is that. It was a massively successful British yeah. show. So the idea was to yeah. take celebrities and put them in a remote location, right? And they like, would they compete, yes. basically? They'd compete for uh, food, basically. Yeah. yeah, we were starving celebrities in the jungles of Costa Rica. Um, yeah, and they would comp- do challenges uh, and they would compete for for food, for for um like you know a nice accommodations yeah. you know because they were all sleeping like in uh in sleeping bags and like tents in in actually no they weren't even they weren't even in tents they were just sleeping in like the in the middle of the forest yeah. or, the, or the 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 jungle it was it was crazy <laughs> that's awesome and celebrities signed up for this i yeah, mean this, yeah, is, yeah. this is nuts yeah, i mean you know it's um, I get it. Like it's, there were some interesting people in the cast, right? Like you had, yeah. Like, yeah. Well, this is also how desperate and empty celebrities sure. are. You know? <laughs> well, they will sleep on the jungle floor to be seen. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. and it was like, you know, Heidi, um, and Spencer were there, which always oh, a yeah, good time. Were. Um, like Tori Wilson. I love her. So, um, I, yeah, I yeah. remember watching some, when she was there, Sanjaya from American Idol. Rod. Oh, right. I forgot about Sanjaya. Uh, Rod Blagojevich was yeah. there. Oh God. Yeah. Disgraced former Chicago politician. Yeah. He's still around here, I think. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. He's on a uh, cameo. Right oh, now. good. Good. <laughs> of course he is. Of course he is. Um, what, like, how did you get involved with that show? Cause this was, you were in the second season, right? Like there was like a, it was there and then it like went away and then it came back on a different network. Yes. Um, it was on, uh, it was on ABC, I think at first. And then they, it didn't work on ABC. And then I think NBC, yeah, it was NBC. And they, they said, we're going to relaunch it. And I remember just, uh, having a meeting that was just, you know, I had a manager, uh, a manager agent and they were like, they, you know, they want to meet with you. They're doing a casting call uh, with hosts and they're meeting with hosts. And I just, you know, I, I did a really great, I just knew that meeting. I was like, Oh my God, I'm totally going to get this. I just, I, I just have a feeling like, you know, and I did. And, um, I was told about it a week later and then I just assumed, um, this would be a massive hit. They're like, this is the biggest show in, in Britain. And, uh, I go, this is such a genius idea. Like how could no one, like how, how everyone's going to be addicted mm-hmm. to this and you get to vote who, who stays and who goes and who gets food, who doesn't. <laughs> I'm like, this is amazing. This is such a great idea. And, uh, and it only lasted one season. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I was kind of a little bit shocked at that, but, um, yeah, yeah, it was, it was, it was a wild experience. And Lou Diamond Phillips was the winner, right? For that. And Lou Diamond Phillips was the winner. And then like, I, yeah. And then I remember a uh, really nice guy and he, he's like, I, he would just talk about food all the time and you know, he's a great cook. And then he, um, he, I remember getting invited over to his house, um, after the show a few times and, um, and, and he would, he was, he was a great, he was a great chef. And so I, yeah, I got to like eat at Lou Diamond Phillips's house a few times. That's awesome. These, yeah, these yeah. are like interesting stories that you'll have to tell forever. Um, yeah, totally. <laughs> okay, I'm going to switch and talk about Family Guy uh, just a little bit too. So I think legend mm-hmm. has it that you have Twitter to thank for joining this uh, writing staff. Is that? Yeah, I Okay, do. yeah. Can you tell us how, how that came to be? Uh, sure, yeah. So um, 
so when I, when I started Twitter, it, it, you know, in 09 or whatever, 08, whatever it was, it didn't really know what it was. It was just people saying, I'm eating a sandwich and I'm doing this and I'm doing, it was weird. Um, and then I, uh, uh, comedians got on it and they started telling jokes and, uh, I was friends with a few, uh, uh, a couple of family guy writers and, uh, they were posting tweets and this was after I'm a celebrity, get me out of here, uh, they told me it didn't, it's not coming back. And so I was, um, I was still doing part-time radio, but I was mostly out of work for like a good year and a half. Uh, and I remember like a few months into like being out of work and not doing anything. I said, I'm just going to make a new year's resolution. I'm going to write a joke on Twitter every single day, uh, and for, force myself to do it and, uh, you know, see what happens. Mm-hmm. And so I, I kept to that resolution and I was writing jokes every day. And then I started to get better and better at it. I was getting retweeted by the Family Guy writers. And then Seth fa- saw the tweets from them. And, and then he followed me. And then he re- started retweeting me. And then he started inviting me to like his, his, his big famous, you know, L.A. Christmas party. Uh, and then I got invited to his birthday party. And then I got invited to like the Ted, prim- uh, Ted 2 premiere or Ted premiere, whatever. I forget which one. It was. I think it was Ted 2. Um, and uh, yeah, it was just this mind-blowing kind of a thing. And I'm like, well, this is a this is cool. What a cool, you know, I've, you know, driven this as far as I possibly can, this Twitter thing. And then of course, a couple months later, my manager calls me and he goes, Hey, I just got the phone, um, with the, the showrunners of a family guy. And he goes crazy, but like Seth MacFarlane wants you to write for him next season for the show next season. And I was like, I'm sorry, repeat that. Like that. Well, what? And, uh, he goes, yes, Seth MacFarlane wants you to, I go, how oh yeah okay say it one more time and so um so that's what it turned out to be and and i ended up uh you know meeting with the showrunners and i did everything in my power to uh i was so nervous because i was i was uh working in radio at the time full time and i had this steady radio gig something that i've done you know you know since i was a teenager something that i could probably do till i'm 60 years old and uh i said this is I have to make a choice between sort of staying on the safe course of, 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 you know, steady work or following this new passion of, of writing jokes. And so, um, so I said, fuck it, I'll just do it. I said, I'm 33. You know, I talked to my, uh, my wife and I'm like, you know, 33, no mortgage, no kids. If I'm going to ever do this, now's the time to do it. And, uh, that was eight years ago. And so I've been there ever since. Um, yeah. And I just remember meeting with the, the showrunners and, and, and doing everything in my power to like, have them be like, yeah, this is a bad idea. You're right. Like I was just trying to, I was trying to convince them not to hire me. So I didn't have to make the decision to quit radio and actually join the staff. Yeah. Oh, geez. Okay. So eight years later, still going. Um, the show is obviously hilarious. And, um, and I know right now you're season 20, I think. Um, yeah. Season 20. It's Oh my God. It's so crazy. Wow. Yeah. That's nuts. It's wild. And already like, I think renewed right through the 21st season, I think is what I, yes, I think that's right. I think that's right. Yeah. So you got, you got, you got a little bit still on that for sure at at a minimum. Oh, for sure. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 Um, Yeah, I want to ask you about Twitter. Why have you stopped tweeting? Um, it just turned into, um, Twitter is just, I, it's probably, it's a it's a it's a tie between Facebook and Twitter. I got off Facebook too, but these social media platforms they they start as fun, lighthearted, you know, maybe some serious stuff here and there, but then it just becomes 
uh, the algorithms take over and it just becomes outrage. Everyone's outraged. Um, everyone's upset. Everyone's angry. Everyone's saying, why aren't you, you know, if you're not, if you're not paying attention to this, you're, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're doing a, you know, you're, I don't know, whatever it is. Like you're, you're not, um, it's, it's, it's like your duty to like pay attention to, to, to every atrocity in the Mm -hmm. world. And, um, it just became too much like on me, like I think mentally, um, part of it too also was I was now being paid to write sure. jokes. So I wasn't giving you know, away for free, but, um, <laughs> but I just felt, yeah, I just felt like it just became, it became all about politics. It became all about, um, retweeting ideas that you agree with to your followers who agree with your ideas already. And I'm like, what are we doing here? This website is now pointless. And then I was noticing every time I signed on to it where I used to be like oh, laughing and stuff. And I would, I would, I would, I would start to feel, I'm like, why do I feel like angry? I don't like that feeling or scared or like, you know, so I had to kind of like go back on Instagram a little bit, but like depressed, Mm -hmm. you know, seeing other people's lives and stuff. And I'm like, this is not good. This is like, this is unhealthy. I mean, you know, uh, and now of course there's that Facebook whistleblower who's, who's basically confirming all this stuff that we all, we all knew, but she's like, Oh no, I was in like the, the control room with the levers and they're all fucking, you know, they're all, that's the intent. Um, so, so yeah, so it just became less fun. And then I kind of like hopped on, I'm like, man, eh, maybe I'll throw a joke out there in the, in the jokes. Don't, don't get the likes they used to. They don't get the retweets they used to. Right. The only thing that gets traction, um, it, are those, you know, uh, political posts or, or the tweets that are like, I mean, to, to, if you want a lot of retweets now with a tweet, you have to say something racist. You have to say something, you know what I mean? Right. Or like something that's like misconstrued. Um, um, and uh, yeah, it's just not, it's not a platform yeah. that I really want to be on. It, um, no, good, I mean, good for you, first of all, for recognizing and doing it. Uh, it just makes yeah, me it's sad. Not healthy for, not, not healthy for my mental health. And, and I, I, I know, I'm, and that's the word sad. Yeah. I'm like, this, this thing could be it was so great it was like i literally would like it was like a little like a reprieve from my day when things were difficult i'd scroll through and read like a rob delaney joke and be like jesus fucking this is so funny yeah. or you know it's like weird or like you know it's just yeah oh, that's a cool take on like you know whatever uh you know whatever that the, the the joke was about but it's like yeah it was like a little comedy club on your phone and now it's just turned into um like a like like flamethrower of like politics and outrage and just the 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 worst um the worst instincts of like base base instincts of like humans mm-hmm. you know so that's why I'm uh, well good for you good for you those are, those yeah. are all the questions I had for the first round um are you good to move into the second round the five for five sure awesome. so like i mentioned this is named after the arby's culinary deal of the 90s the five for five um is are we sponsored by arby's or what's going on we're trying there? to be uh <laughs> i love arby's Smart man. Um, it's you know you're playing you're playing the long yeah, game with yeah, arby's yeah. that's all i do is long games um mm-hmm. so you're the guest you can uh, you can absolutely go first but um so you'll ask a question i'll ask a question um and we'll just go from there great i want to know uh uh favorite uh trl moment for you <sighs> Uh, and by the way, don't feel obliged to include me in the moment. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, this is going to sound, this is, this is going to sound, it's, it's very real though. So I'm just going to say it. Um, I, I yeah, go it for was, it. um, it was driven by a young adult 
maybe fantasy <laughs> to, yes. to have. And Britney Spears and Melissa Joan Hart did a co-host of an episode. Do you remember uh, this at all? Yes, I okay. do. I do. It was before yeah. me, but yes. Okay. So I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Because, you know, they had, I think they had done the uh, video for one of Melissa Joan Hart's movies or something. Um, and I had a crush on both of them separately. So like the two of them together right. was like perfect. The second um, place would be there was a, a TRL at your house contest. I think this was probably before oh, your time. Yeah. Was it? I remember. No, it was definitely before yeah. my time. But uh, but I remember that. So yeah. a girl from my county won the contest. <laughs> oh, no yeah. way. Yeah. Um, I didn't go. I wasn't invited. I wasn't cool. Oh, I had to work. I was ta- okay. detasseling corn. Um, but <laughs> no, my brother is actually friends with her now, though. Like he didn't know her at the time, but he's friends with her now. Wow. Yeah, and so she I think the Backstreet Boys were there, maybe. Jesus. At her. Yeah. House. And it was like in very rural Indiana. So like, you know. Um, insane. That's the. That's so cool. Yeah. I mean, MTV was so awesome. It really was. It was. You it was know, such a cool idea. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, that was. Yeah. But so, um, I think both of those just because the one like ended up being close to home, and then the other one was like I said, driven by like terrible thoughts of a nineteen, twenty year old guy that was like, this is just really yeah. hot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, it is yeah, what yeah. it is. It is what it is. And honestly, free Britney. So good. I'm so happy for her. Oh my God. Me too. Jeez. Yeah, that was, uh, that was great. <laughs> my first question for you is, I guess could be kind of related. Um, sure. <laughs> how old were you when you had your first celebrity crush and who was it? Oh, wow. Good question. My first celebrity crush. Oh, you know, what's funny. My first celebrity crush was, was Mariah Carey. Oh yeah. Yeah. And this was like, this was like the... <laughs> late 80s 90s so she had like the curly hair and i was just like oh my god i love that curly hair uh and so i i remember like cutting out mariah carey or ripping out mariah carey you know uh articles photos from from magazines and like hanging them in my bedroom yeah yeah and just being like i love mariah carey yeah she is uh she's still amazing um she's amazing she's she's um She's been through a lot of shit, you know. I listened to her on uh, Questlove's podcast, and and she has a book out. I haven't read the book, but she, it was, it's a great interview with her, and it really, uh, it humanizes her, I think, in a way um, that before that podcast, I I always thought, oh, well, she, yeah, Mariah Carey's crazy, um, but and you know, most celebrities are are, are nuts, but um, and uh, but 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 I had such. Um, like the math added up, like after she told all those stories about like, you know, the Tommy Matola stories being locked in her house and, you know, 20 cameras inside the house watching her and all this stuff. Um, so yeah. And, and then just, you know, I think when you have, when you have something super special, like one of the greatest voices of all time, yeah, you know, like the Whitney thing yeah. or the Aretha thing, um, or, or even Michael Jackson. It's like when you're so, f- when you're so undeniably excellent, and at the top of your craft, um, it, it's, it, it's, 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 I don't know who can really go, who can pass through that, you know, level headed and not go through a bunch of like issues, yeah. you know, like not, not feel like the mental sort of, um, weight of, of, of having to like carry that, yeah. you know, I, I saw her, um, 
in concert just a couple years ago. She was a her and Lionel Richie did a concert together. Oh, Lionel Richie oh, is so good. The live. best entertainer. Like He's, my wife loves. Yes, I saw him in Vegas. Okay, my wife loves him, so she was like, "I want to go." And then Mariah was there, and I was like, "Yeah, I want to go." <laughs> I would totally go. And, uh, I would totally go to that show with. Yeah, it that's was an amazing awesome. show. Such a good concert. Yeah. Oh, I bet. Yeah. Unreal. Did they do any duets? Did they no. do "I'll Be There"? Mm-mm. Oh, okay. No. Yeah. They didn't um, no. And then Lionel did this whole thing where he was like uh, teasing that like Diana Ross came or something, you know, to like sing with him or. Um, oh, that's what he did at the Las Vegas. That yeah, must be his shit. He did thing. it at the Vegas yeah. show too. And then He's she's like, yeah, like yeah, yeah. "No, I'm not. I'm not coming there <laughs> or whatever. I don't know." But yeah, it was really good. That's a, that's, a, that's awesome. That's a weird thing to tease. Yeah, <laughs> like you know. But good for hey, him. This great thing's gonna happen. <laughs> it, no, no, no. Fuck <laughs> you. It's not gonna happen. <laughs> it works for him. It still gets the crowd every time. He's, He's the man. I yeah. mean, those songs, first of all, are so well written, mm-hmm. well produced, well played. All those guys on the studio, mus- musicians who played on those tracks are, whew, man, they're off the charts. Brilliant. You know, uh, uh, talk about like masters of your craft. All those guys who played on that, Greg Phil and Gaines and, and J.R. Robson, you know, the drummer. Um, but man, like, just then you got Lionel, who's like, super care everything just lined up for him he's like great songwriter great producing great musicians and then he's so charismatic right and he's just massive on stage like the energy coming off that stage i'm like i mean he's been doing this he was in the fucking commodores like back in the 70s he's been doing this for 40 fucking years (laughs) can you i can't imagine hosting trl now like at the last like three (laughs) years of trl i was like get these children away from me i need to be i need to be in a quiet room by myself you know and so just to see like him go out there and just give it his all and then i have i have a friend who who was close with him and and he just says he he goes if you worked with lionel richie this guy worked at a record label um you, he was affectionately Lionel became Uncle Lionel to anyone who who became close with him because he was like an uncle, yeah. you know, to to anyone in his life. I love that. Yeah, really good guy. I awesome. That. I love Lionel Richie. Yeah, you, yeah, it's so good. So if they ever go on tour again, I did think it was funny because it was like my wife was like, "Who's opening for who?" And I was like, "Let's be clear, nobody yeah. on this show is opening." Like nobody's no, opening. No, no one will allow that. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, nor should no. they. No, sure. No, right. Yeah. Exactly. Totally. Awesome. It's time for your second question for me. So, so what I'm wondering is sort of a favorite album of all time and sort of like the desert Island question, yeah. you know, you, you can bring one album to a desert Island. So I'm kind of wondering what that, what that album would be for you. Jeez. That's such a hard question. <laughs> um, it is. <sighs> I, I go all over the place, honestly, with this. And it really just depends on like my mood, probably at the Your time. Mood, yeah. yeah. Um, so what's in, what's in rotation typically like throw out a few. Sure. Sure. Like, too. I mean, the Alanis Morissette Jagged Little Pill album is so amazing. Um, I would Such take, a good album. um, the Dixie Chicks, uh, wide open spaces. I'm all over the board. Okay. Um, I like that. Yeah, that's good. Um, I would actually, <laughs> I would consider taking the NSYNC album, um, no strings attached. Uh, that's the one. So that's good. the that's the album. So yep. good. You know. Then you have like Thriller. Um, oh yeah. I don't know. Jesus. Those are great. That you answered my question. Yeah. Those like it just depends on my mood, right? Like somebody asked me once, like yeah, they said if you could take like a book, a movie. I don't know what I would watch it on, uh, and a CD. Yeah. Like so, I yeah. I was able to like get to Alanis Morissette as a clear front runner. Um, I also really like Garbage. I would take their second album probably. Um, yeah. 
I don't know. Yeah, I'm all over the board. But I would take any of those, and um, I would have to throw in an Eminem album too, probably. I don't know which one. Oh, yeah. Sure. <laughs> the early ones, yeah. you know. If it's like, uh, can it be like 2002, and I'll just make a mix CD on my computer, burn it, and then... <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, burn me a copy, please. Yeah, I will. Don't yeah. worry. Don't worry. I, I love all that music now. Yeah. That comes on, and I'm like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. awesome. Yeah. Avril Lavigne, sure. Oh, I'll listen to that. I love Avril yeah, Lavigne. Great. Yeah, great. <laughs> yeah, hold on. I have yeah. uh, I have cable modem. I can get it on Kazaa, no problem. Um, yeah, right. Those were right. the days. You remember that? Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, yep. My second question for you is: What is an irrational fear that you have? We talked about my irrational fears. What's an irrational fear <laughs> that you have? I've got a lot of them. I've got a lot of irrational fears. Oh man. The, the ones that I have are so dark and, and okay. messed up. Like, you know, like I'm just going to be like destitute, kicked to the curb. You know, those are, those are sad, but like an irrational fear, definitely have arachnophobia. I don't mm. like talking about it. I'm so afraid. And I think I have a fear of people like constantly making, like, I'm like, they, they're making fun of me. They mm. must not be making fun. Like, like when I'm like, when I leave like a, a room or something, I'm mm-hmm. like, ah, no, they're probably been there making fun of me now. <laughs> um, and that might just be from working at family guy. But, um, <laughs> but I have that fear that like, like people don't take me seriously or they're laughing at me. Yeah. That like I'm a, I'm a joke or something. Yeah. That's interesting. I'm see I, again, like this is these, it's not funny. It's like sad. No, like that's like something that I deal with. It's... But, um, but you asked the question yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I wanted to be candid. <laughs> is it, can I ask, is that like, is that like more recent or have you always had that? The one about people making fun of you? Always. Always. Yeah. I've always had that. I've always and felt I, and the I know same where way, com- which is weird. That's why I'm asking. I, yeah. And I know where it comes from. Um, um, so I, I, I've done the math, you know, with my therapist and stuff. So I know where it comes from. This is a source, but, um, so when it happens, I have to be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. but I will say since turning 40 years old, that the volume of that voice has gone way, way down. And I'm much more of a, um, I don't care. Like I don't, I like who I, when I turned 40, I had this moment of, um, I just always assumed in my life, like 40 is like an adult adult, like everything will feel cool. You'll feel like assured in yourself and comfortable in yourself when you're 40. And then that didn't happen. And I spent some time kind of bugged me. I spent some time like thinking about that. And I thought to myself, uh, well, what is the magical age where you're finally going to be like, you know, hundred percent yourself, authentic and like, and, and 50, 60, 80, yeah. you'd be dead soon after, right. you know, it's like, and then, so I don't know, just kind of had that thought and I was just like, Hey, you know what? Fuck it. Yeah. I'm just going to, you know, be, you know, who I am. And, and so I've sort of embraced that a little more, but it still creeps in. Yeah. It's, it's, it's that, it's that programming. It's that like, you know, it's that code. Yeah that that's that's built in when you're a kid um but when you realize how little people think about you yeah yeah like they're not even paying attention most of the time right but they're not even paying attention but anxiety isn't rational so that's true (laughs) you know yeah that's very true that's god no it is not oh geez yeah all right it's time for your third question for me um let's do your biggest fear Biggest fear or most irrational? Big, big, uh, <laughs> let's let's do let's do most irrational fear. I'm gonna steal your question. Okay, and, no, and that's that's shoot it back at you because I like is, this stuff. This is really um, insane, and I so I would say I'm the same as you. Like once I turned like 40 ish, I was like a little more like fuck it and don't care as much. And I and that's true. Like I've been able to sort of shut it down a little bit. Um, yep. Except for teenagers, I have an irrational fear of teenagers in groups <laughs> of 
three or more. <clears throat> That's specifically. Amazing. Like there can be two and it's like, okay, I'll like be on, on like defense. But like when the third gets there, I'm like, I got to get the fuck out of here. Like these 13 year olds so are going to roll up on me and like start calling me names and shit. And I, do not dude they're brutal they are they're, no that's not that's not an irrational fear they yeah. are brutal <laughs> they and also are. the fact that like they can now like there's incentive for them to be that way by like pulling out their phone and like t- <sighs> you know, know you're suddenly a tiktok yeah i'm i that might be a rational fear of mine is becoming like a viral tiktok thing oh, yeah. because of the way I, I like dance at a concert like yeah. i've thought that i'm like i'm at a concert and i'm like dancing and i'm like i've had the thought whoa what, what, what if someone's taping yes. you and then and then and then you're on fucking uh tiktok and you're like number one on tiktok for right. the week and then people are ma- you know oh my god yeah no wonder kids are depressed yeah. <laughs> it's like in, in have anxiety but you can't do anything without people like recording it anymore like i was thinking about this the other day because somebody yeah. had a like 30th birthday party that i know over the weekend so like it was in their instagram story they were all like out yeah and like doing karaoke and stuff and i'm like oh, i love karaoke i'm a terrible singer but like i don't need like i don't need people recording that uploading it and it's just like I constantly agree. shared you know like it's it's ruined it's ruined so many yeah. it's ruined karaoke i'll never do karaoke <laughs> again and like no way yeah because in my mind they're like this first person who's like uh, was that guy on uh i think i recognize uh uh-uh. yeah yeah well, they'll pull out the phone i don't want that yeah, yeah no thank you i know i kind of want to like I would love to institute like a no phone rule. Like anytime I'm actually at a social function. Yes, me too. That's good. I did have the irrational fear. I should, I should, this is piggybacking off yours, but um, when I would be in traffic and I'd be uh, stopped like at a light next to like a school bus full of, full of high school kids. uh, Very nervous uh, because I, don't know what they're going to yell. They're probably making fun of me. I would have a difficult time even looking in their direction because I would just assume they're all like, you know, ah, fuck you. (laughs) You know, that kind of a thing. (laughs) It's, I don't know. It's terrifying. It is. Jeez. Children are terrifying. They are. They absolutely are. (laughs) Yeah. My third question for you is what is your best injury story? Um, you know, I've been lucky. I haven't had, um, I haven't had a lot of injuries. Um, the uh, the one that comes to mind, God, there's got to be a, a more entertaining <laughs> story. Um, but when I was when I was a teenager, I fell out of m- my bed, and I, I I remember I went to sleep, and I the next thing you know, I remember I I was wake, I woke up in the middle of the night on the floor in a in a in a puddle of my own blood, oh, and shit. what had happened was I was in bed, and um, I had fallen out. Of, I had like rolled out of bed and I hit my, uh, this eyebrow, right. Yeah. This eyebrow right here, um, on the nights on the corner of the nightstand. And I, it just, this skin is so sensitive. So it's just, it's split open. And, and, and so anyway, so I went and I got stitches at the, at the, at the hospital and they said, you have no idea how many people like this happens to like, that's like one of the number one accidents is, uh, rolling out of bed and like hitting your head on a nightstand oh my God. Uh, and waking up in your own blood. And I'm like, Oh, okay. So that's kind of like one of my, you know, probably that that's probably the answer. Yeah. No, that's, I mean, that'll do yeah. it. If you, I, That'll do yeah, it. Waking up in a puddle of blood done. <laughs> Very frightening. Yeah. Very frightening. What the hell is happening? How did it? Yeah. Oh you're trying gosh. to do the math and you're yeah. also trying to like, bl- yeah. Mm, yeah. Nope. Um, cool. um, your fourth question for me. Yes. My fourth question for you is, uh, how about a question like, uh, a moment in your life where you, 
your faith in humanity has been redeemed. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Um, I know there's not many, but no, know. I, I know. I'm trying to think. There's a there's a radio station that I listen to. I'm old, so I still listen to like the terrestrial radio. Um, yeah, me too. On the way to work, there's a there's a um, radio show that I listen to in the morning, and every single morning they do a segment called One Kind Day, where they like read some story or like share a story of like something kind that happened. So that's like nice. a good reminder because it's like also first thing in the morning. It's like while I'm on my way to work, it like can help set that's the nice. tone. Um, they had yeah. one like last. Um, Let's see. They had one last week where a kid basically it's I mean, it's obviously a lot of them start not good. <laughs> like this kid knew that he was right. he had terminal cancer and he was like eight years old. Um, right. But he wanted to um, maybe he was older than that. He wanted to basically like set up. Um, I'm combining two of these now. I'm going to go backwards. So this kid, yeah, yeah, yeah. he was he was in cancer treatment. And so he was constantly getting like. um what do you call it? Like chemotherapy? Yeah. So him and a bunch of other yeah. kids were there like at this like pediatric cancer center and, but they weren't allowed to like really leave out of their rooms. And so he wanted to build a network for them to play video games against each other. Um, oh, so nice. he worked with the people at the, um, at the center and like got this like whole thing going where they could like play each other, you know, and got like, oh um, my God. started raising money for like the um, consoles and things like that. And like, that like that kind of stuff is just I mean it's really good to yeah, hear I love stuff. That. So yeah, it's um it's it's a great segment. It's just like a nice reminder. There was the kid the other kid was also he did something like that was phenomenal but um it, but I was confusing the two. It, he like the, yeah, that's great. started I, like some foundation or something. Yeah, I love that stuff. It yeah. just seems like everything is so uh there's so much information coming at us and it's all the opposite of that. Right. Yeah, it's all bad. You know, so that's good. Yeah, that's good. It's all it's all bad. <laughs> or or anytime Dolly Parton's in the news, because you know it's going to be good. Oh man, totally. Yes. Yeah, love her. Yes, she's always doing cool stuff. Always, always. It's funny yeah. to see my anti-vax family tout like things that she does, like the Imagination Library, and I'm like, you're so close. You know, like you're so, like you're. So, yes, she is. That is a great example. You know what else she does? Fun vaccines, yeah. like things like that. Right, right, <laughs> right, 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 right. I, yeah, that's right. She she helped fund the vaccine. Yeah. Jeez. Wow. Um, my fourth question for you is which year, I think I might know the answer to this, but which year of your life has been your favorite and why? I would definitely say this year. I mean, this year has been, has been really great, uh, for, for, for a lot of reasons. And, and it's weird, you know, like I look back at my life and, and even just saying that now I go, but what about when you're on television and you know, this and that, and there were a lot of cool moments and everything. And, 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 and I've, you know, I don't know if this has been the most memorable year of my life, but it's certainly like the, the, the year where, um, I've started to feel like most proud of myself and most settled with myself and, um, yeah, just happy with myself. And I think, um, yeah, I think that sounds weird because I've had such cool things, you know, I've been fortunate and, 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 uh, to have such cool things happen in my life. So there's a lot of moments where I'm like, Oh man, that was so cool. Um, but I think just generally speaking, um, yeah, I, uh, it just gets better as you get older. I yeah. think, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. We'll find out. My, my thirties were a little rough, but like my twenties were crazy fun. And then my thirties were a, lo a little rough. And then, uh, and, uh, you know, I felt like it's sort of, uh, very insecure in my thirties. And then, uh, 
and, and kind of struggling with like who the hell I was and, and, and things like that. And then, uh, and then just got into therapy late thirties and then just, I've been in therapy for, you know, four years now. And I just am like, I think that's just been such a game changer yeah. for, um, for, 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 for me and, and just for being comfortable with, uh, with, you know, with myself. Yeah. No, that's great. Which is great. It's great. Yeah. Congrats. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Um, and I guess the last question would be if you could host one old school MTV show, what would that show be? (laughs) Oh God. Um, I'm probably gonna, this is a weird one. I really liked singled out. I thought it was fun. Great show. Yeah. And I mean, Jenny McCarthy was like very fun, um, on the show. I don't know. It was just a fun concept and like, you know, it was a fresh, um, so you'd be the Chris Hardwick uh, I mean, host? I guess, but I'm not, yeah. I'm like not as cool as him. So it probably would have been canceled way earlier, <laughs> but it was a fun concept. You know, I don't think I could do, um, I don't think I could do like more, I don't, I'm not knowledgeable enough about music and stuff like that. So right. like to me, it would be a, like a nice angle in where you can like layer in elements of the pop culture, but not. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. That's a good show. Yeah, it was great. That there's a lot of good shows to choose from yeah. on MTV yeah. back in the day. Um, my fifth question for you is what song the second that you hear it just makes you unconditionally happy? Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, it shouldn't be this, uh, man, see these, these questions, which these like best favorite movie where, you know, yeah. favorite song, favorite movie, favorite album. These always get me stumped. Um, man, anything off of Michael Jackson's off the wall album gets me going. Um, I would say uh, my my favorite band is is Dave Matthews Band. So there's a lot of Dave Matthews Band songs that I really love that that can get me going. Um, and then just like '80s pop, Whitney, yeah, so emotional. Whitney, want to dance with somebody? Um, man, all of her songs, like all those upbeat songs in the '80s, those get me going too. Yeah. So yeah, she's that would she was amazing. <sighs> Greatest voice of all time. Yeah. In, in my opinion, you know, um, she was it. She, she was like from a different planet, you yeah, know, kind of like what Jimi Hendrix was to guitar. She was for, for singing, yeah. you know, it was like dropped from a different planet onto earth and, and everyone's like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> She's like, because if you think about it, like she, you know, Aretha has this amazing voice, but like, you know, Whitney was like, uh, had this amazing voice, but she was like a hundred and six pounds right. and like five ten, and you know model and you know like she was everything like you know funny and like you know cool personality and and everything and man she had it all yeah and then the you know the, to have that voice on on top of it was like whew, man unbelievable yeah really awesome <laughs> yeah no that's that's a great answer yeah 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 awesome well thanks for playing five for five not brought to you by arby's yet uh, but maybe one maybe day someday we'll get there. We'll get there. It, maybe it'll come with the Nick Lachey episode. I don't know. We'll see. Um, yes, we're going to make that happen. <laughs> we're going to make that happen. We're going to make that happen. <laughs> um, awesome. Well, it's time for the last round, which is the fast friends fortune teller. So, um, cool. what I'll do is basically just ask you a series of questions. It'll reveal an activity. The activities sure. will play and then, um, you know, we'll end up with a friend request. Um, cool. so the first question is <laughs> we're in a car on a road trip, you and I, and I ask you to play uh, a boy band song. Do you pick one direction in sync backstreet boys or 98 degrees? One direction in sync. Uh, I'm going in sync. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Something off of no strings attached yeah, for sure. Absolutely. That album absolutely. is so good. Oh, it's so good. I actually went to Walmart 
because it was like 24 hours and waited at like 1130 to like buy oh, wow. it on sale at 12 o'clock when it wow. went on sale. Wow. See, I hated that music back then. I was like, this sucks. Oh, yeah. And I was no. like an idiot. And now, now I listen to those songs and I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Bye 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 is a, on a, is a, a pop achievement. Yeah, it's a banger for sure. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> um, okay, we're stopping at a drive-thru to get something to eat. Do we stop at Wendy's, McDonald's, Burger King, or Arby's? Oh, man. Um, you know what? I've never had Arby's. <gasps> Whoa. I've never had Arby's. I would say I, I would stop at uh, I would stop at Wendy. I'm not a big f- chain fast food guy. Yeah. So I would say I would probably do Wendy's. That's the least fast foody to me. It is. Um, and I'd probably get like the, the chili <laughs> or or something, you know, or something like that. Yeah. OK. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Behind Wendy's. Oh, and the, oh, and the, 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 the what's that drink they the make? Frosty. Come on. You got to dip your fries in it, though. Um, Oh, yeah. hundred (laughs) percent. So the behind that is two truths and a lie. So you can uh, in this round, what I'll do is ask you to tell me three things, two of which are truths. One is which is a lie. And I'll try to guess which one is the lie that you're telling me. Two truths, one lie. Okay. It's Um, like a student government mixer or something. (laughs) All right. So you want me to just tell start talking now? Do it. Just just no topic. Okay. No, anything. Um, um. Oof, boy, this is tough. I wish I had some time to prepare for this. Okay. I'm sorry. Um, to put you on the spot. Yeah. Um, I, uh, oh man, no, I can't tell that story. <laughs> <laughs> There's a bunch of things that I'm thinking of that I can't talk about. Um, saving it for my book. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, let's see. I, okay, maybe let's say my, um, I don't think, yeah. Oh man, I I was so frightened to uh, host uh, TRL um, that on the way to um, one of my auditions, I had uh, I couldn't eat breakfast, and so I uh, I ate a bunch of uh, uh, large vitamins instead, and um, I I my parents drove me to the train station and the vitamins didn't sit well. And I ended up running from the car into the train station and puking my guts out in my MTV audition wardrobe and like had to wipe vomit off my face. And that's how my first MTV audition began. Uh, that's one story. Another story is I remember I interviewed Rihanna back in the day and she invited me to one of her concerts and I got to go and hang out with her. Uh, she invited me in her, hang with her in her green room before a show. And she, I started talking to, uh, making friends with, of course, you know, some of the band. And then I was like, well, I think I'm going to leave now. And I said to one of the band members and he's like, okay, make sure, sh- make sure you say bye to, to Robin. That's Rihanna. Everyone called her Robin. If, if they did back then, uh, who knew her? And I said, yeah, I don't, I'm, ah, whatever, no big deal. She probably doesn't even want to say bye, whatever. And so I left and then I walked down the venues, uh, the stairs of the venue. And from behind me, I just heard, where do you think you're going, sour cream? And I turned around and uh, it was uh, Rihanna who nicknamed me sour cream. So that's another story. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I feel like there's something Um, behind that, if that's true. And... uh, (laughs) The other story is it was it was MTV Spring Break. It was in Miami, 
and we had shot uh, an episode of TRL all day. And one of the the guests on on the episode was um, uh, do you remember Uncle Cracker? Oh yeah, yeah. So Uncle Cracker performed, and I I forget what I said on air, but I I had I I must have said something that sort of when I was introducing him that he took the wrong way. And so I kind of got like a, I got a weird vibe from him because he would, he'd be like spinning and stuff during like the show and then during like the break. And then after the show, um, after the show was done in the green room, like I felt like some kind of weird vibes from, from uncle cracker and I don't, I'm a people pleaser and I like everyone to like me and I did not like that. And so I tried to like correct it. And, uh, and it, it just was like this weird sort of interaction. Anyway, Cut to like later that night, I'm at a nightclub and the DJ is uh, DJ Scribble. You remember DJ, DJ Scribble? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, DJ Scribble's there. And uh, I'm like partying and stuff. And sure enough, uh, Uncle Cracker uh, comes into the nightclub and he's partying a bunch and, and we're both, you know, I'm drinking and then I'm like, yeah, he, he, he's with his, his, his crew and he's drinking. And I, I forget how it happened, but we ended up, both of us ended up like sort of on uh, DJ Scribble. I might've invited us up to like the DJ stage booth. Oh, yeah. And there was a certain point in time where I, I forget what I said because I was drunk, but, um, <laughs> but I, I asked him like, if like if we were cool and uh he started yelling at me and then he slapped me uh across the face uh at a, a nightclub and so yeah that was a little odd and uh my I was with my 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 buddy Brian who uh who still tells the the story <laughs> to okay. this day so one of so those is a lie so there, um so one of those is 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 a lie i absolutely believe the vitamins thing and the vomit yeah, I mean, like like you said, it's you had just come off of a an audition. This was obviously okay. like a whole different level. I believe that's true. I think the Rihanna one's a lie. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I don't know what. Do I tell you? Yeah, yeah, you tell can you tell me. I mean, but okay. I'll tell you why I think. I don't think she yes, would leave her. I, I don't tell... think she would leave her green room. Ah. <laughs> uh, okay. So ready? This yeah. is the story that was made up. Okay. The Uncle Cracker story is totally made up. Okay. I can see him doing totally that. Totally fictitious. <laughs> I know. I can too. That's why I told it. <laughs> and I was like, I got to pick someone who, uh, my first thought was I got slapped by Whitney Houston. I'm like, he's not going to believe that. Uh, I'm like, it's got to be someone like Uncle Cracker. I'm like, oh, wait, that's perfect. Uncle Cracker slapped me. Um, but so so when Rihanna like first came out, and this is, I mean, it's hard to imagine a time where Rihanna wasn't Rihanna. Right. You know? Um, and so this was sort of before she was, she had a few singles out and stuff, but she definitely wasn't who she is now. And that actually happened. Yeah. I kind of feel like I kind of blew my shot with Rihanna yeah. because, uh, well, because of low self-esteem. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, she's just a billionaire. Oh, it's not a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Just a billionaire. I, that's actually though why I thought, yeah, she is. She's, and she's talking about another, like just amazingly talented. It's funny when you go back and oh, listen to so her great. songs, they're all like. Every single one, you're like, oh shit, this is like an amazing song. I forgot about that. I forgot uh-huh. she did this. Yeah. Yeah. She's funny. Like, I, I feel like she's, I mean, it's so funny because she's so famous, but right. um, I remember meeting her and being so surprised at like how funny she is. Mm. She's like 
in, in, you know, you only see her in like lingerie, like sexy and like, you know, she's like the diva. It's like, I feel like we only see diva Rihanna sure. and there, there's this side of her where I, where I, that I really liked. And that's what I liked about her. But it was like, she's like kind of goofy and like in, in, in silly. And she yeah. had like this kind of like fun sense of humor, um, weird sense of humor too. And so I feel like, I don't know. I feel like one day we're probably going to see that from her. Yeah. I feel like we should. She's, saved, like she's really saving cool that thing. for her book or movie. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> awesome. Well, this is the part of the podcast where um, I send you a metaphorical friend request. So in the in the vein of Facebook, the cesspool that is Facebook, um, yes. Damien Faye, Logan Cummins has sent you a friend request based on our time that we've spent hanging out. Would you accept it or delete it? Oh, I would 100% accept it. Yay. That's awesome. Yeah, we absolutely. Can, you know what? We could have we could bring back TRL in my parents' backyard. They still live in the same house and the same county that I grew up I'll in. I'll do anything to get back on television. <laughs> if it if it has if, if I have to be in a backyard in Indiana or wherever the let's hell you it. are, I'll do it. Yeah. yeah. Let's do yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I'll get my parents to like get a pool or something. I don't know. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> I could probably make a few phone calls and yeah. get Matt Penfield, you know. <laughs> It'll 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 be just like old times. That's amazing. Yeah, we'll we'll round up a Dallas, you know, or whatever. Uh, you know, yeah. Do you want to um? Do you want to promote anything to any of the listeners? <laughs> I would just say um, watch the new season of Family Guy and watch Family Guy on Hulu and and just keep watching Family Guy so I can stay employed and so uh, <laughs> you know so that the checks keep coming. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But also so that I have like a a really. A, I stay at a job that I really love and, and have a lot of fun with. Yeah. And, a, and, and a job uh, that... Oh, you know what I also want to promote too? Yeah. I'd like to promote, um, while I'm at it, uh, there's this great charity uh, that I discovered over the pandemic and it's called Build Chicago and they commit themselves to providing services for really, really like, and I guess maybe this is, I've heard this is a term that is not very woke, but like at risk youth, mm-hmm. basically it's the kids, it, the, 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 the kids in Chicago who, who, who've been through the system and stuff and just people have totally given up on. And, uh, the, this, this, this organization build doesn't give up on these kids and they provide after school activities, arts and crafts, basketball. Um, they, they even, uh, have a, have a, like a therapy van that they drive into the neighborhoods and, and they, they have a, they have therapists on staff and stuff. So anyway, it's this great organization build chicago and they're they're doing a lot of great stuff and if you can donate that would be awesome i think it's build well just google build chicago you know how to find it we'll put it in the show notes too for people listening if you want cool awesome that's awesome and everyone there is super cool too like everyone's very nice yeah i I believe it there's it like stuff like that also restores your faith in humanity right you got to do that stuff you have to yes it makes you feel good too yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah. absolutely awesome well damien thanks so much for coming on it's been a blast to have you and get to know you logan it's been awesome it's been a pleasure yeah awesome have a great night man appreciate it Thanks for listening to the Fast Friends Podcast. Don't forget to join us next week for an all-new episode. Go ahead and hit subscribe so you don't miss it. You can follow me on Twitter at Logan Cummins. And if you have a suggestion on someone that I should be friends with, go ahead and let me know at fastfriendspodcast.com.